Well, hello, everyone. We are so glad that you joined us here on this podcast. TGIF is what we're calling it. And we are going to cover some uh, uh, devotional for us. Well, I am Renee Minder. I'm the executive minister here at Cheyenne Hills Church. And, and I am Austin Meisner, the youth pastor here at Cheyenne Hills Church. And I guess we're introducing ourselves. So I am Casey Orr. I am the media producer here at Cheyenne Hills Church. So we are here. We're going to discuss a book called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. And I came in possession of this book when I had a friend give it to me for my birthday in the fall. And then about a month later, my mom sent me the book. And so I was like, okay, Lord, you want me to read this? And I thought it was going to be a quick read, um, but it is just filled with huge nuggets. And um, I don't know, but just some a lot of comeaways of who Jesus is. So how did you come uh, upon this book? So uh, when we went back home for Christmas break uh, this last year, uh, it was a Christmas present from my former youth pastor. Uh, he hates it when I call him mentor uh, still, but uh, I consider him that, but he would call us friends. But he gave it to me as uh, we, we generally exchange books back and forth. And so this was his book for me this year. And so I, uh, when we got COVID and I found myself with a lot of extra time on my hands, uh, not being here at the church, uh, started reading. Uh, and this is one of the first ones that I came across. And so how about so, you, Casey? Well, I, I've been trying to make a habit since I started working at the church as, as kind of listening. And when people uh, bring things to the table in a meeting or a conversation or a staff devotional that really kind of resonates with me, I listen to what they say they got that from. And I heard you, Renee, and I think one other person, but I think mostly you, I heard you reference it like in several different scenarios and several different meetings. And each time the thing you brought from it, I was like, I, need, I guess I need to read that book. And so I went and found it. So so let's explain it just for our listeners. Give us an overview of what this book is about. I mean, Austin, what, did, what do you see that this Dane's purpose in writing this book? So the, the fountainhead of this is Matthew 11, um, 28. I'm going to start in Matthew 25, though, just to kind of get the, the whole picture of, of, Jane, of Dane's heart for this book. At the time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by the Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor are and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so Dane's, uh, the way when I read through this, the whole idea of this is, is that there are so many different pictures of Jesus. But when Jesus, outside of the book of John, because we have all of those famous I am statements, but Jesus, when he is describing his character— and uh, his disposition, he chooses to say, um, you know, I am gentle, I am lowly. And we see him, we see this picture of him in, in all of scripture of, of how he treats those people who do not know him, right? It's, uh, and like he says right here at the very beginning, it's, it's always the Pharisees or even his own followers at the time, whether it be the disciples, that he's like, okay, hold on, you guys are idiots and you guys don't get what I'm saying here. And he's harsh with them because they are already his followers, but it's, all of those people outside that bubble who say, oh, wait, who are you? And then he's like, oh, OK, well, like, let me let me explain. And then he's he's very gentle with him. He like the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, um, the the Roman centurion that wants his slave healed, like all of them. He's like, 
you have faith and you don't care about all of the other stuff that, that whether it's the religious people of the day or even my disciples, they get hung up on these little things. You just see me for me. And this is my character. Mm. And what I loved about this verse is that oftentimes we focus on that first part, uh, that his yoke is is light and, and you can learn from me. So I loved that he he really delves into the depth of what gentle and lonely means. And in the first part of the book, you know, he just talks about how that gentleness, there's a humility to it. It, it reflects his heart. Um, and also that lowly hasn't, it's, it's not so much a cultural thing. It's not so much a, uh, a physical thing, but it's that he's accessible. Mm-hmm. He's accessible to us that he, uh, bends down to hear us. And I just love that picture of who he is. And it describes a lot. Uh, and what I love that Dane did is he took scripture and he does a deep dive. And I know for myself, I love those deep dives, but it takes a lot of time and effort. And so we can kind of go on this journey with him as he takes a deep dive into the heart of Jesus, of how he really feels about us. And it really affects my walk with Jesus when I see that he is humble. He, his heart is, is leaning towards us and he's accessible to us. Well, yeah, he I, took it a lot. Of, he, he, he mentions uh, repeatedly that he took a lot of his inspiration for this style of writing from um, Puritan authors of their time back in the seventeenth uh, uh, century. Is they would take a single line of scripture and write an entire book on it, and he loved that. And he felt and he talks about how he and you'll he mentions them a lot and talks about their writings. And the, so that it's funny reading this book gave me a longer reading list basically. Um, and right. The last thing I was reading when he was talking about was, uh, was, uh, no, I keep wanting to say Paul Bunyan, but yes, John, uh, John, John Bunyan. Yeah, yes. Thank you. I always want to say Paul Bunyan, <laughs> you know, he wrote Pilgrim's Pro- progress, chopped down trees with a giant blue ox. <laughs> right. Right. John didn't have a red plaid shirt. I'm yeah, pretty no, sure. Probably. No, he didn't. Didn't look like the brawny man, but, but looking at that, like I, I really appreciate it because, and he starts out in the beginning too describing what he means by the heart of, of Christ is when they talk about the heart, uh, someone's heart um, in the Bible, they're talking about something more than what we think of. If we think of like an emotional center to our body, even when we say it, we don't always necessarily mean the physiological heart, but we tend to think about just the emotional state uh, of who we are. Whereas like in, in biblical, um, like Israel and Judea, the idea of your heart was more what we might think of like as your uh, gestalt, like the, the thing that is made um, of the combination of all of your things, of all of your core parts, the, that gestalt. And so what is what Jesus's heart is and his whole embodiment is, is gentle and lowly. So, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of aspects to this book. Um, why don't we just highlight a few that really have spoken to us and, and why it spoke to us? Well, for me, uh, the, 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 one of the best chapters, I, I think here at the beginning, and it's, it's, out of probably the top three books, if I was to tell a new believer to read, uh, it comes out of uh, chapter four, but Hebrews 4.15 is the the fountain for that necessary chapter. And it says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. And, and so uh, Jesus here in this, when, when so after opening up, uh, one of the very first things that Dane does after saying, this is Jesus's heart, he then goes on to see how uh, we should look at Jesus and um, 
the book of Hebrews is such a just beautiful picture of how the Old Testament was the shadow of the things that were to come and that Jesus was the final fulfillment for so many of those things. And for us to really see that, oh, well, this Jesus, when we when he says, I am gentle and lowly, or whenever we see these characteristics and these actions in the Gospels, this isn't just a, a glowing review of who Jesus was. No, this was his very character. He was tempted. He was tried. And so for those of us, you know, the book of Hebrews is not written to pagans. It's not written to non-believers. It's written to us who still struggle. As Romans says in Paul 7, you know, that you know, I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I want to do, you know. And uh, and so we see the struggle that Paul writes about and then Hebrews comes along and, and paints this picture of who Jesus is, of being able to sympathize with all of these things that we do. And for me, um, I'm 28 and despite the fact that my students call me old all the time, they say you're, you're way too old. And, and so for me, despite that, I'm like – well, I still mess up. I still have these problems. I still, you know, if if Jesus is this for the new believer, he's also this for me. And he's he's still going to allow me to come to him and say, yep, I sympathize with you. I'm not going to cast you out. I'm not going to say, oh, you screwed up this time. And we talked about this last night with John 10 as him as the good shepherd. He's not just going to be like, oh, you dumb sheep, you know, like, sorry, you're just I'm off to Satan with you. No, right. he says, you know, the father cannot lose you. I cannot lose you. And he's going to hold us regardless of the sins we make. Well, and I think that paints a, a good analogy too, that goes alongside what he's talking about in the book is if, if you think about as a teenager, you look at your youth leader or another adult and be like, well, you don't understand you're too old, but it's so, and then once you, once those roles are reversed, you realize, no, 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 I was you just a little bit ago mm -hmm. and the culture might change. The, the, the top 10 artists on the radio might change, but that confusion about identity, that question that coming into questioning about who I am and stuff like that, like I can identify with that. And that's a word that um, Ortland repeats uh, uh, several times. That I really like, which is solidarity, mm -hmm. which is, um, um, having a unity uh, of experience that produces a community or, or, or group of people. Um, it, it, that's the definition. But solidarity with Christ is talking about how he has solidarity with us because he's experienced what we've experienced. He is not this remote sitting up on a, you know, what, uh, you know, what, uh, uh, non-believers kind of like joke about the big uh, guy sitting on a cloud somewhere. He's been in our shoes. He's been where we were. Um, the book describes how anything that you faced as far as hunger and thirst and stubbing your toe to the deepest level of being like uh, tempted by Satan offered the literal entire world. If all you do is, is bow down to him, anything that we go through, Jesus has been through something similar. And so we know he'll understand us when we go to him. Right. And what I loved about in this chapter, too, that I underlined was that, you know, he's gone through everything. He wants to forgive us, but that forgiveness is reaching beyond just merely wiping away our sin because it says here, and he doesn't just want us to be forgiven. He wants us. And so the whole purpose of the cross and the uh, is that reconciliation, but it's that far reaching of not just of forgiving us for our sin, but he wants us. He wants us. He's bending down towards us so that he can have a relationship with us. And I just thought, I mean, that was just beautiful to me to just think that 
I think of needing to be forgiven, but it's more than that. It's it's so that he can know me and I can know him. And that we ultimately get changed. You know, uh, some of the times we think of when Jesus died on the cross and especially, uh, and I know this is going to air after Easter, but like we're in that season while we're recording this. And sometimes, you know, the, the picture can be painted that, you know, Jesus is wiping our sins away as if he is wiping it just off the glass. And no, that is not what he's doing. When, it, when we're talking about he wipes our sins away, when he does that, he's literally changing us. He, he says, yes, this is you no longer as, as uh, oh, I can't think of the, the Old Testament prophet right now. Uh, I want to say it's Jeremiah, but he says, I, I'm going to take a take out your heart of stone and I'm it's going Jeremiah. to give you a heart of flesh. And so it's not just this, yeah. oh, well, you threw some ink on the window and let me let me take yeah. it off for you and make like you a, look like new. A, like a kid who's drawn on the walls with crayon and he's pulling out the Clorox and cleaning it off. It's yeah. right. No, it's it is. It's almost like, yeah, instead, oh, we're going to demo that wall and we're going to build a brand new one that's better than before. And that's Jesus' heart is that I sympathize and therefore I'm not just going to leave you in this. Oh, let me wipe off your sins so you can just commit it again. No, I want to change you. Right. I want you to know me at such a level that now you are changed right. with my heart inside you. Very and, good. And and that kind of leads me in my mind to the stuff that I was thinking of um, with my big takeaway was the idea that um, Jesus is not just someone who will do this. It's not like a job he has, like it's a purpose he has in existing is that loving and becoming close with us. When people think like, oh, I just did this bad thing. Like I can't go back to him again. I can't like just turn around in prayer. I was just praying this morning because I got angry at someone and I knew that was, you know, it was prideful or whatever. And I had to turn back around again this afternoon and pray again because I screwed up already. And to think like, man, he must be getting impatient. He must be so frustrated. He must be so disappointed. But it's kind. Of, it uh, talks about like a doctor who has medicine. And how do you think the doctor is frustrated because you, when you get sick again, you come back to him? It's like, no, that's what he exists for. Like that's his whole purpose in life is to love and forgive and to help continue to change you into the person that you know he, he always meant you to be. That's what fulfills him. That's what makes him happy and gives him joy is offering mercy. Yeah, and and I think uh, I was preoccupied with a word search, um, but like the same word that Jesus uses here in, in Matthew 11 is the same word he uses in Matthew 5. The root word is the same. So like when he says, uh, the meek shall inherit the earth, he is using the same word to describe himself. So it's not just a Jesus saying, hey, you need to go do this because I'm commanding you. We finally see in in Matthew chapter 11 that this is something that I embody, that I am this. And that's why when we come to him, when we are meek, when we are humble, when we are doing these things, of course he's going to to fix us in the best way he can. He's going to give us forgiveness. That doesn't mean, uh, as uh, the, the epistles later say, that he's not going to not withhold chastisement because that's what a good father does. But sometimes that chastisement is the medicine. It is the yeah. the actual thing, but it's always done in a, whereas I'm a fallible father and sometimes my punishments can come across as, oh, well, dad doesn't like me. Jesus's and, and God's punishments and chastisements always come across as you need this so that like you can finally become who I'm, I'm, I need you to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I was trying to look for it here in the book, but I know he he just beautifully writes this, Dane, he beautifully writes of how we need justice and compassion. The balance between the two ideas. You yes. If you, you said that you do a disservice to Christ, both if you see 
um, Christ or God and, and just their idea of uh, doling out justice and their and like the wrath or stuff like that. And you also do just as much in, uh, um, wrong to him by just thinking of him as the sweet as God is just love, man. There's no bad in it. It's like, no, God is love and justice. That there's both. In there's parts. It, yeah. in in order to love, you've got to have justice. In order to have justice, you've got to have compassion. Just like it was th- just so beautifully. He he just defended that or they're, explained it. They're almost it. like two sides of the same, same coin. You, right. you cannot yeah. have it's one a, without the other. Yeah. Right. Well, just like being a parent, if you yeah, if you just give your kid everything that that makes them happy, or just do the stuff that. But sometimes if they do something wrong, you have to lay down a little bit of justice so that they learn, so that when they grow up to be adults, that they know the better way to go. Um, and just that's something I I see with that 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 whole picture again that gestalt is you can't just pick the side that you like and he even points out that people who grew up in really authoritarian churches um, um, like you know our, our, one of our pastors here grew up in a very very fundamentalist household and and so it talks about how they might gravitate towards that justice side because it feels more at home to them or if someone grew up like I grew up Methodist and it was very much all about the softer you know come and see the softer side of Jesus <laughs> sorry Sears old Sears commercial um and, and so like the idea of like oh but then God punish and then God will punish people like that feels like oh that feels foreign to me well that's that's what happens if you don't see the balanced and whole vision of who Jesus is but gentle and lowly the idea that that sums it up I mean, that that sums up his heart, you know, not just his actions or the responses to things. Um, but and then hopping off from that to what um, Austin was saying, um, the youth group, there was a youth, uh, not a conference, but a class or something like that called Kingdom Come a little while ago. And then I also heard it in uh, the Crucible Project where they look at the word meek um, and meek doesn't mean like. Like small and simple and oh, it's whatever you guys say. You know, it's, right. it's meek. Uh, the way they described it is is power under control. Mm-hmm. Right. It's you are who you are. You are, are a, you are a child of God, and you have everything that comes with that, and all the abilities and gifts that God has given you. But you you have um, those abilities and your pride and all anger and all that stuff under control. And so I think if you look at um, gen- the way we talked about gentleness and meekness being that same word, and the bulk of this book is talking about how he deals with you gently. Yeah. And so we can expect that gentleness, but gentle, you know, if we remember that kind of idea of meek or gentle being the power under control is he is, you know, Jesus is the word that brought into being all existence. That's a lot of power that he could unleash on us, but it's power under control from someone who loves and cares about us and wants even, us to be the best un, parts un, of ourselves. Death, when, when death. He's, when yep. he's saying, you know, I could, <laughs> I, I could call down legions of legions, angels, like what was the 18, but I'm not going to, <laughs> like, to have that. And so I think that the, this whole picture is that, uh, you know, uh, law and gospel, whether you are talking about gentleness or righteousness and grace, you know, however, justice, mercy, all of these other things are all that beautiful picture of the gospel of you have to have one with the other. You can't mm-hmm. – we can't just be some of the old-time preachers of, well, fire and brimstone all the time, all the time, all the time. Yes, there is a point for that, but if you, if we never get to the, the graceful side – of of if if all you do is preach law, then nobody's ever going to understand the gospel because the gospel is is the antidote to the law. It says yeah. this is how it's supposed to be, and it's it's the final mix of that. And so I I love that. Well, so the, I just want to kind of pivot here. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you want to talk about your main takeaway? Um, I think I I, think I kind of slid into it was oh, okay. was just the idea that um, um well the the solidarity, but the idea of of his purpose being. 
that um, from the beginning, from from when he, as the word was, you know, spoke the word, uh, spoke the world and everything in, into, cre- into creation, the idea was, the whole plan was that one day that you would exist and I would exist and, and stuff like that, and that we would, he would be there. Like his purpose from the beginning was to be there for us to come to. Yeah, he wasn't just like, oh, shucks, I got to go down there and fix this look at, mess. Look at made. all this great stuff I made in there, mucking it up, and I got to go down, oh. and now I got to give them salvation because otherwise you guys will never get back here. Never, You'll never get back home if I don't do this thing, which is a really rotten thing that you guys made me do. It was a – from the beginning, just even that act, and in, even in – you see like the – how hard it was as a human to go through the act of that sacrifice of crucifixion. Um, but all of that was from the beginning the idea of we're going to make these people, we're going to let them see that they are weak and fallible. We're going to let them see that they are like unable to follow through and really truly be righteous all by themselves so that when I show them that I am here to be that mercy and gentle, lowly forgiveness, like they can come to me and they'll understand how big of a relationship we're meant to have and that he is fulfilled by you coming back to you. He's not disappointed in you. I'm, I'm sure there's disappointment. I'm sure he's like, you know, I wish you hadn't done that. But man, I it am, was as Hebrews puts it. It was the joy set before him to do this. That was yeah. It was it's it's literally a joy and comfort and fulfillment of Christ's purpose and His heart that Gestalt that all of who He is to have you come to Him and and so that He can wrap His arms around you and forgive you. So what about you, Renee? Well, I was thinking about one of the things that I really loved was that He was talking about. The atonement, it's uh, on page 79, it says the atonement accomplished our salvation. Intercession is the moment-by-moment application of that atoning work. And I guess I was re-reminded of what Jesus is doing right now about how personal um, that rescue of me is and how he is continually now in heaven interceding for me how he's cheering me on, how he's he's praying for me. And I, I, that was just so comforting to me to know that Jesus is there. I, I would, how would you describe that? I mean, he is, he, he's a cheerleader, yeah. but he's also that, that comforter. He's also maybe anticipating things that I don't even know about. And he's I, in that intercession for me. I think of a parent, I've not, I've not got to do this yet. I'm excited about when I finally get to do this, but a parent watching a kid start to walk is you see them taking a step and you see that they, them start to lose their balance and you put a hand out and maybe, maybe they need it. Maybe they don't, don't need it. But then when you see them take steps on your own from learning and, and learning that path, like the joy and the pride and the pride and the exaltation and that kind of thing. Well, I think this is the beauty of his threefold office of of prophet, priest, and king. And and so we get to see him being the priest. They're interceding for us. But simultaneously, while he is doing this before the Father, he is also sitting as as the first martyr. Stephen quotes in the book of Acts. He says, you know, I see him sitting at the right hand of the Father. And and when Jesus ascends, he is he is sitting and he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and, and on earth. earth. And so for us to both see this while he is interceding for us, it's not just a, oh, well, Jesus is hoping that God the Father is going to accept my prayers for my people who are now following me. No, God has given him the authority to bring this before. And God is going to honor his son because his son is the one who went and died on the cross. And he is also currently reigning until death is put under his feet. And so this beautiful picture of our king, our leader, still doing that servant leadership from the the upper room. And he's still on his knees before the father and still still 
just uh, making this propitiation for us right there after the cross and then saying, God, like this is me interceding for them, mm. like always, day and night, wherever we are. Yeah. It's this beautiful picture of his his office as as both king and priest. Yeah. This idea of this of this God and creator who is also my mentor, who is also my brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, anything else we want to add here? Anything else that's kind of sticking out? Well, um, I, I was just going to ask about uh, where, like, who do you think, Renee, if you were going to say um, the person listening, if, you know, if you're interested in learning this, sure, this is a great book for anybody, but especially if you're X, who would you say right now needs to needs to read this book? I would say that if you've had huge disappointments, uh, you've suffered maybe physically, mentally, or emotionally, to be able to read this book and to see how he is not this uh, detached person just mm-hmm. kind of hoping you get through this, but he is leaning low and he is there with you, suffering with you. And, and, and again, Dane just does a beautiful job of describing how Jesus is there suffering right with you and he's cheering you on and, and 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 you can see that through suffering and pain he is good and gracious and and alive and present too because he's, right. he's not someone who's speaking to us from 2000 years ago through um through an old book to you know to put it like how it might feel sometimes he's alive and there and he's you know his hand is reached out every time yeah he is risen he is risen indeed what so about you, I, I would say that um, parents need to read this book um, just as, uh, you know, uh, the, the further along my son gets, um, you know, uh, I have a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and then, uh, you know, a little eight-month-old girl. And so, but the farther my, my son gets older and I'm able to watch him and see um, the terrifying aspect that he is my mini-me in so <laughs> many different ways and how they copy uh like parents, like you're going to make mistakes. And and like, for me to have read this book, uh, not as a pastor, I mean, I did enjoy it from that standpoint, but as the, like, how am I emulating Jesus? How am I to my son when we, we are having these, these, these arguments or he's upset or I'm upset with him. How am I emulating Jesus in this moment? How am I being, uh, so to speak, gentle and lowly? And then all of that, that, uh, We've talked about whether it's law and gospel or justiceness and righteousness and all of these other things. But how am I doing that so that it's not just dad is just, you know, laying yeah. down what the law is. To, to be those two sides, to make sure that you are both, that the you see that the justice is done in love just as much as the forgiveness is done in love. Yeah. And, and so that's where I would, I would just really point it to parents to say, uh, you may not like reading and there's audiobooks and you may not like audiobooks, but, but part of our responsibility as parents is doing things we don't like. And, uh, I, I'm blessed to Poopy love first immediately yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right after, as soon as they come out. There's <laughs> So, I mean, I love reading and I know that that, that kind of sets me apart, uh, from, from a lot of my generation Nerd. sometimes, but the, just the idea of, Hey, we need to, you know, read to understand how to act. Mm-hmm. And so I would just really encourage parents to read it and say, okay, how do I incorporate this even in how I look like Jesus for my kids? And I would uh, hop on that. And for the last thing, maybe to say, if, if you're new to the church or you're new back to the church, um, or maybe, maybe again, whether you're churched, unchurched, no matter where you are in your walk, I think, especially if you're, if you feel sometimes like people talk about Jesus and you're not exactly sure 
Like this is a book to go into if you or if you. This is it's a, it's a beautiful picture of who mm-hmm. Jesus is, mm-hmm. and and I would suggest doing like what Renee has done. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm more of a fast reader, but like taking the time when you see scripture, don't just be like, oh, okay, let me go to that verse. Read the chapter that it's in. Like yeah. read and, and and be like, okay, so yeah, this makes sense. Like take the time and say, yep, I'm gonna read this. This describes Jesus. So let me take it and open my Bible with it, not just saying, oh, well, I'm gonna read this book and I'm good, but. And I was I would just say the style of reading, while I described it as a deep dive, mm. there's also some humor in here, how mm-hmm. he'll say yeah. different things. And one of the uh, your favorite sentence in there talked about uh, it was had a Lord of the Rings reference. He takes the deep dive, but there's some lightness and some humor in, in the word pictures that he writes. And he, yeah, he has a very he's like it's a down to earth look. It's not a, you don't have to have a theology degree to read this. Exactly. Yeah. OK. I mean, yeah. Oh. So. <laughs> Here we are. Well, so uh, we're so glad that you joined us here today. Uh, Again, that book that we talked about is Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Jesus for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. So I hope this encouraged you and we will see you next time.